Well, let's uh, dig into God's Word. If, how many of you have been enjoying this Holy Spirit series we've been in? Anybody enjoying it? You know, so here's the idea, folks. You know, um, I know there's been a lot of stigmas, a lot of misconceptions about who, who the Holy Spirit is. And some of you may have, even before you've heard these messages, you, you had this, almost you were almost afraid of him because of, of what you've seen, maybe the packaging of, of who he is and some of the things you've noticed. But can I tell you that he's not spooky or weird? Amen? That he's somebody you want to get to know. He, he wants to be your friend. He wants to have a relationship with you. How many of you believe that today? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And so in this series, our aim has been to really just clear up some misconceptions, to maybe, uh, to maybe release some of the fear or the leeriness about having that relationship with him. And here's what we've, st- we've talked about so far. We, we said that he he's, has a personality, right? He's, he's God. He's the, the third person in the Trinity, that he has a mind, a will, and emotions, that he's, he's somebody that you can get to know, amen. He's not an it, he's not a force, he's a friend, and he walks alongside you in life. He's your paraclete who travels, like, as we were singing earlier, he's the one who walks beside you every single day. We also said that there are moments where we've got to make some decisions about who's leading our life, and that the Holy Spirit we need to allow him to lead our lives rather than letting our flesh lead our lives. And we notice those outcomes. There are great outcomes when we give the Holy Spirit control, right? We get some awesome fruit. You know, we get love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. All those fruit, we get those fruit when we let him lead. Amen? And then, of course, we also said that he's given us some wonderful spiritual gifts. For what reason? To make us feel good? Not, not necessarily. No, it's all about edifying, strengthening, and uplifting the body of Christ. That's the reason the Holy Spirit gave us the spiritual gifts. So we've been talking about all those things. And so what I want to do is I want to continue this talking to you about a word that many of you maybe you've heard, maybe you have some misconceptions about. And that word is Pentecost. Now, some of you may have some already. When I said that word, you had some images of, of that it were in your mind of some, maybe some stuff that you're like, oh, I'm, I don't know about that. Can I tell you, this, this idea of Pentecost is, is really one of celebration, amen? That when you understand what Pentecost is all about, and we're going to go into that, you can celebrate this word. Now, the word itself is, is not very scary. All it means is 50, right? If you're looking at this, the literal meaning of the word, it's penta, which is five, Coste, which is times 10 or to the 10th power, it's 50. So how scary is that word? Not very scary, is it? And so what I want to do is I want to dive into this idea of Pentecost today. And I just want to start with the idea that you have to remember that Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. It was a Jewish celebration or a festival that they celebrated every year. Okay? And the reason they celebrated it was because there were, there were things to celebrate. And it's actually attached to two other major celebrations, two other major holidays that the Jews would would celebrate. And it's all about remembering what God has already done in their life. Let me ask you a question. Has God done anything for anybody in this room? Has he saved you? Has he delivered you? Has he healed you? Listen, folks, when you remember all that God's done, you can celebrate. Amen? That's really what Sundays are all about. Every time we come in, we celebrate what God's done for us. 
Is that right? I hope that's why you come, is to celebrate him, to lift his name high. And so these three major holidays that the Jews celebrated were always about remembering something significant that happened in the life of these Jews, right? And so I love this because, uh, you know, followers of, as followers of Jesus, we don't live under the Old Testament law anymore. How many of you realize that? We're not under that. We're under a new covenant, the, the law of grace, right? We're under grace, a dispensation of the grace of God. But it's also good to know where we've come from, what, what the, the roots of our faith come from, and that's what the Old Testament's all about. And so even in, as we approach these, these festivals, these celebrations, we can look at those through the lens of what God's always been up to and what he's up to now, amen? And so that's what we want to do. So let's start with the very first one I want to talk to you about is the, the, the festival of Passover. But before we do that, I want to read to you a passage of Scripture because Jesus, when he came, he said, look, folks, I'm not, I didn't come to do away with the law. Watch what he says here in, in Matthew 5. He says, don't misunderstand why I've come. What's he trying to do? He wants to bring clarity to the reason he came, right? And so what does he say? I have not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. What's he saying? Yes, you're, you're under a, a kind of a new covenant, but it's all wrapped up into one little package. And I, I'm the one who, I'm, I was the one who has the power and the ability to fulfill everything that God required in the law. Because how many of you know you couldn't do it? Does anybody else realize you couldn't do it? As a matter of fact, that's what the law was all about. The law showed us how much we fall short of pleasing God. Is that right? And because of that, there's a reality in our lives that, hey, I can't measure up. I can't do enough good. There's nothing I can do to measure up to what God requires of me, but Jesus can. And the reason he can is because he's God in the flesh. Amen? And so what he came to accomplish, we celebrate through these festivals. Is that, is that making sense to anybody so far? And so this first one we call Passover, the festival of Passover. And again, the Passover is a celebration. What's this a celebration of? You guys know the story, right, in Exodus, where the children of Israel, had God had promised them through Abraham. He said, look, through Abraham... I'm gonna, I am going to bless you that you will be multiple, multiplied and blessed like the sands of the sea or the stars in the sky. He made that promise to Abraham in Genesis. And then it be, started to become true, right? The Israelites, God's blessing them. They're, you know, they're 12 tribes, and, and they're, God's, they're flourishing. And then something happens. There's a famine that happens. And they have to move out of their country to the land of Egypt because if not, they're going to they're starve to death. And you know the story of Joseph, one of, the, one of the 12. Because of his faithfulness, God uses him to rescue and save the children of Israel. Well, what happens is they end up staying in Egypt for like 400 years, and they become slaves to the Egyptians. They're in bondage. They're not free. They're not living out the full purpose that God has for them, all right? And God, that's not what God's plan was for them, right? What, what did he want them? He wanted them free, amen? And so... Along comes a guy named Moses. God says, I'm tapping you for this, this leadership role of delivering my people out of bondage. And so you, you know the story. God's, he goes to, to uh, Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh's 
stubborn, and so God sends these plagues, and there's 10 of them, right? All nine of them, leading up to the last one, Pharaoh, was, his heart would be hardened, and he wouldn't let him go. Well, the 10th one was this plague where God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to strike. Well, let's read it. Uh, Exodus chapter 12. Here's what, here's what he says. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying. When I see the blood, what happens? I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so this last plague was a plague of the firstborn child, male child of every family, and even animal would die unless they took a perfect lamb, a spotless lamb, sacrificed the lamb, and put the blood across on the doorposts. And when the angel would come by, he would see the blood and he would pass over them. So what it represented was freedom from death, from bondage. And you know what happened that very night. Pharaoh says, hey, get out of here. And he lets them go. And so they're able to celebrate this freedom from bondage by celebrating from then on this festival of Passover. So what does that mean for you and I? Well, think about this for a minute. The blood sacrifice was what caused the, whole, the death angel to pass over them. And they're free because something shed blood for them, right? And it brought freedom. It brought salvation. So for us, in the New Testament, when we understand what Christ did, what did he do? He came as a spotless lamb, sacrificed his own blood, right, so that you and I could have freedom. So that you and I could have salvation. And so this first festival represents salvation to us. Amen? So when we look at this idea of, of what God's always been up to, it's always been about salvation. About redeeming. All about freeing. Watch what Paul says. He makes it clear here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been what? Sacrificed for who? Say it loud. For us, well, why was he sacrificed? Because all along, all along in the plan, in history, he had salvation in mind for you. Is that something we can celebrate this morning? Come on, put your hands together and celebrate that. But here's the reality. So the reason this is so important is because I need to make it clear to you, you cannot earn this favor with God. Right? The fir this, this first work, the Passover, celebrating that, is all about what God has done for you, okay? And so when we look at this in the New Testament, we see that Paul says it clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for it is by grace you have been what? Saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the, say it loud. Remember a few weeks ago we said that's one of the gifts that God's given us is the gift of salvation. Now watch what it in verse 9 says. Not by not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, he, 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 may, he clearly says to us, he did this intentionally, salvation has nothing to do with what you've done. It's all about what Christ has done, so you can't boast about it. So you can't go around thinking you're something when you're really not, amen? 
So it's so, it's so powerful to understand what God's up to in these festivals. The Passover is all about salvation of mankind, and it's all about the fact that it's based on the finished work of Christ, not on anything that we've done. Does that make sense to anybody? Which leads me to the next one, because here's the truth. We were not saved by our works, for sure. Is that right? But our approach to God is from this point on, from the time you accept Christ as your Savior, we work because we're pleasing to God. I'll say it this way. You're not working to please God, right? You're, he's pleased with you because of what Christ did, but you're working because you are pleasing to God. Does that make sense? So which leads us to the second festival, which is really going to be the, the, the thrust of the message today is about the second one we call the Festival of Pentecost, right? Are you familiar with this one? So if you understand that 50 days after the children of Israel were freed from Egypt, they landed in a place called Sin right? Mount Sinai, right? You, you know the story. And what happened at Mount Sinai? Anybody know? God gave the law to Moses. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses at that moment. Fifty days, Pentecost, right? After they were freed from Egypt. And so now we see a connection here. What is God up to in this idea of Pentecost? Well, we've already said it means 50. And so if you think about this, there's a, there's a moment where uh, after Christ's uh, death and resurrection, he gathers his disciples together. Let's read that together in Acts chapter 1. Here, watch what he does. He says, after he's suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Notice 40 days, right? And spoke about the kingdom of God. Well, we said Pentecost means 50. So from the time he's resurrected to the time of the day of Pentecost, guess how many days that is? 50. So he's on the earth 40 after his resurrection. He's basically tying up loose ends. He's talking to his disciples about what's coming next. So watch what he says. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my, that my father promised. So we're talking about another gift, right? The first gift was the gift of salvation. What's this gift? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Watch. The Father promised it. All right, go back. I'm going to read that last line, when you, which you have heard me speak about. And then the next verse. For John baptized with water. What does that represent? Salvation, repentance, right? That's that first festival that we were talking about celebrating, right? So here it is. Here's salvation. Let's celebrate that. Water baptism, right? John's baptism. And then watch what the second one is. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So 10 days after his ascension, they're in the, they're in the upper room. They're waiting on, on the, this promise of the Father, right? So watch what he says. But you will receive power. So he not only tells them what's going to happen, he's going to tell them the outcome of what's going to happen, right? So we skip down to verse 8. Watch what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice what he says. You'll receive power. 
You know what that word power means? We've, we've talked about this before. That word power in the original language is a word called dunamis. And you know what it means? Explosive dynamite, dynamite power. So what's, what's the connection here? We're saved by the grace of God, right? We celebrate the Passover that Christ, the sacrificial lamb, has redeemed us and set us apart for something to do. And then he doesn't leave us there all alone. What does he do? He empowers us with a dunamis power to do the work he's called us to do. Does that make sense? But you see that there's, they have to make the distinction because God never wants you to feel like you can earn your salvation and work for it, but he has a work for you to do. That's what Pentecost is about. Pentecost is about the work he's called us to do. Does that make sense? And so what does he do? He doesn't just give you a little dabble of it. What does he do? He says he's going to baptize you in the, with the Holy Spirit. When you baptize something, you know what that really means, right? Now, some people sprinkle. We don't. We believe in total immersion, right? And so... Every, from head to toe, we've been under the water, right? That, that baptism is a full immersion. The same is true for the Holy Spirit. You don't just get a little dab, a little, a little bit of the Holy Spirit. What do you get? Come on, somebody help me this morning. You get the full blow. You get the full immersion of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he has a work for you to do. Come on, somebody. That's good, yeah. And so don't you see here what God's up to? He's up to redeeming mankind. But he also made a choice early on. He said, you know what? I, I could do it a certain way. I could just zap people and they could be saved. That's not what he chose to do. What did he choose? He, cho he chose to use human beings to deliver this message, this redemptive story of Christ's death and resurrection. And so what he did was he said, every person who has placed their faith in Christ, I want you to be an ambassador I want you to be a spokesman for this message. What is the message? Well, we call it the gospel or good news. What's the good news? Christ came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, and walked out of the tomb. That is the gospel, folks. And it's simple to share. And so when we do it under the power of the Holy Spirit, we see results. Amen? Can I prove that to you? In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, here's what it says. On the day of Pentecost, which is that celebration, right? They did it every year. And can I, can I give you a picture? Every year they would go to Jerusalem and they would celebrate. People from all over. Because remember, the Jews were scattered, right? And so they're coming in from all over the place, different languages, different tribes, right? And they're in this place and they're celebrating this, this, this feast, this celebration of Pentecost. And something happens on that specific day in Acts chapter 2. They're all together in one place. And if you keep on reading, you'll notice that the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 of them in the upper room. That was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And what happened? If you'll notice what happened afterward, if you keep reading Acts chapter 2, you'll notice that Peter, remember what Peter did Several days before that, at Christ's trial, what happens to Peter at Christ's trial? He's confronted three times by people. Oh, you're one of his. You're a disciple. No, 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 I'm not. You've got the wrong guy. 
And he, as a matter of fact, he swears by it that he's not, he didn't belong to Christ. So here we see a guy who's denied Christ at a, at a crucial, pivotal moment. 50 days later or so, what's he doing? He declares a message, the gospel message. Christ came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross. What happens when he preaches? Anybody know what happened? 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. What happened? There was a transformation in Peter's life. What was the difference maker? Or let me ask a question. Who was the difference maker? It was the Holy Spirit on the inside of him giving him the dunamis power to share the gospel and get results, to have an impact. So God saved, has saved us to make an impact. That's what the power of Pentecost is all about. It's for him to help you make an impact in your world. Does anybody, if you, anybody in this room know of anybody that you have connection with any realm, uh, whether it's a neighbor, a coworker, a family member who doesn't know Jesus already? Let me see your hand if you, ha- you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Do you have the power to tell them about Jesus? Yeah, that was weak. Do you have the power to tell them about Jesus? How? The Holy Spirit. That's why we celebrate Pentecost. That's why we recognize what Christ has done through this awesome festival, the second festival of Pentecost. It's all about us reaching and having an impact on our neighbors, our friends, our families. Amen. Here's something else. There's been a wrong, I think there's been a misconception in the body of Christ for a long time. And it's so funny because when I'm having interaction with people, you know, there's, as a matter of fact, there's, I go to a chiropractor and this guy, he always, he's always joking with me a little bit. He's like, yeah, pastor, I need you to do this and pray for me. And, or, you know, and almost like I'm some special person. Can I let you in on something? There's not, some, there's not really anything particularly special about me. What is it? The only thing that separates me or sets me apart is the fact that Christ saved me. I'm just like you. I need the redemption just like you did, right? And then all I did, here's all I did, folks. All I did was say yes to a call. That's all I did. When God said, hey, I need you. I want to tap you on the shoulder for something significant. All I did was say yes. You follow me? So there's nothing really special about Lance Turner. I'm a follower of Jesus just like you are. I'm a redeemed, I'm I'm a sinner that's been redeemed by the grace of God just like you are. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit just like you can be. What's the point? You don't need me to to pray for you. I'm glad to. Amen? But if I never lay hands on you, you still have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, full of the Holy Spirit, you can lay hands on yourself. Amen? And so the point is, every believer... Every person has the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And so you can pray for the sick and then be healed. You can tell people about Christ and they come to salvation right where they are. That's the power of Pentecost. Amen? Now I understand some of you, well, ain't it about an experience? Well, there are moments, yeah, where we experience the, the power of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. But it's less about that and more about the impact he wants you to make. Amen. And so that's the second 
festival. And I'm going to go to a third one, but then I'm going to jump back to this one and talk to you about on some practical ways that we can li really live out and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But before I do that, I want to talk to you about this third festival. And this one, you know, the first two we've already experienced. We've experienced salvation. And then if you've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, you've experienced those first two, right? The third one is really about the future, okay? There's a third one was called the Festival of Tabernacles. You guys, anybody familiar with the Festival of Tabernacles? It normally happens in the fall, and it's a celebration, uh, a lot about the harvest and stuff, but it's mainly about this one idea that while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, trying to get to the, the land, that, this is so funny, God's, God's always promised us this territory, amen? Amen. He promised it to the Jews. As a matter of fact, what's going on today, you notice all the war going on over there in the Middle East? You realize that's over the promise that God gave to Abraham, right? That they're trying to, to, to understand this is the territory that God has given us, and they're having to fight over it. Amen. And so God has made this promise that there's a territory, there's a place he wants to take you that the Bible says is flowing with milk and honey. That's the, that's the ideal place, right? But they, there was these moments where they were disobedient, and they would... You know, the children of Israel, would, would God would say, hey, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just listen to what I have to say and obey, I'll lead you to this land. Well, they're stubborn. Any stubborn people in here? Y'all raise y'all's hands. It's the human, listen folks, it's the human condition. And so because they're stubborn, they're wandering around like this. They're like, you know, like almost like in circles. And they're so close. Listen, they're so close to the land that God has for them, but they're circling. But here's the goodness of God, right? Even in the middle of, in, even in the middle of your stubbornness, even in the middle of your rebellion, God takes care of you, doesn't he? He's your covering. <laughs> Are anybody glad for that? That he's, even in the middle of your stubbornness, he's your shelter. That's exactly what happened. They're in the middle of the desert. It's hot. There's, you know, there's not much to eat. You know, what they do? you know what he does? He shelters them the whole time. He gives them food. He gives them provision. There's a shelter. And so every year, here's what they do. They celebrate the fact that God sheltered them in times of wandering. Knowing, folks, knowing that one day there's a promised homeland. Anybody follow me this morning? Knowing that one day, that's because the, their shelter was not a permanent fix, right? It was a temporary home. And so here's the reality. They were wandering, but there was a place that God had for them. The same is true for us. Folks, how many of you know this isn't it? Are you glad this isn't it? We're just pilgrims passing through. We're just wanderers, right? And so in the middle of the wandering, in the middle of the, of the journey of we call life, what does God do? He shelters, doesn't he? He protects. He provides. And so that's the beauty of this, this festival is, but the, the other part of that is, one day there's going to be a, a reckoning of what God really has in store for you. We call it heaven. Anybody looking forward to that day? It hasn't come yet, right? But one day... These wanderers are going to find our final place, a place that will forever be with Christ, a promise. Remember what he said in John 14, if I go away, 
I'm preparing a place for you. And it's going to blow your mind what it's like. Amen? So this last festival, we're celebrating what's to come. And there's one little smaller festival in the middle of it. We call it the Feast of Trumpets, right? And it really, again, it's a celebration of this, what's coming, this new land. And so Jesus makes the, the clarity here of one day. Let's just read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Watch what it says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. If you put that up there for me, please. 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. There we go. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a, say it loud, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That means every person who's gone before us, their body, they're going to get a new body one day, amen? And that, this is a representation of what's going to happen. Listen, folks, the moment they die, their soul and their spirit go to live with Jesus. They're in the presence of God. If you have any loved ones who've gone on before you, they're already in the presence of God. Amen? But they're going to be reunited with a glorified body that can never die again. Amen? That's what he's talking about here. Watch this. And that we who are still alive are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will be with the Lord forever. Anybody looking forward to that day? So you see what we have to look forward to? There's a day when everything we've, we've worked for, everything we've, we've fought for will be realized, and it'll be so good, amen? But you notice that hasn't happened yet. So what does that tell us? There's still work to be done. Amen? And we need the power of the Holy Spirit the rest of our days. So the last part of this, I want to talk to you about some practical ways that we can live out this work he's called us to do. To make the impact he's made us, he's helped us to do through the power of what? The power of Pentecost, right? So I want to read to you one more passage. So after the Holy Spirit came on them, they were, the Bible says they were speaking in, in, in unknown tongues, right? But then there were people who were hearing, they're hearing these guys speak in their native language. And they're like, well, wait, what's this all about? I can hear that guy over there. And, and they, knew who they, they knew who they were. They knew where they were from. They're like, there is no way these guys know this language. They're unlearned men. That's what they said. And so they're, they're like, wait, what, 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 what? And here's what. Verse 12, how, this, how their reaction to the, all of this, right? This outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Watch what it says. They, they, were, they stood there, what? Amazed and, what, what, what does this mean? How are these people doing this? And they ask each other this question, what can this mean? Some of you may have asked that question about the Holy Spirit. What in the world, you know, what is, what's, what's this mean, this Holy Spirit we've been talking about? And maybe some of you are in that same boat. Maybe you're perplexed. Maybe you're, you're asking these questions. How does this tie in to what God has for me and the work and the impact he wants me to make? Well, I believe that it's, it's tied into the vision that God's given you through, through Jesus. What he said in John 10, 10, what did he say? Those of you who have been around a while, you better quote that one. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. So I believe the connection is, here's what Jesus 
said, here's the kind of life he wants you to live, a life full. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it possible by empowering you, by filling you and baptizing you. And then when, when that happens, there's a certain outcome that we get, right? There's an impact that we can make. And I believe it's in three areas. Number one, I believe it's in your relationships. I believe it's in this one, right? Can, you, can anybody testify that when, you're in, when the Holy Spirit is in you, you have a wonderful, f- flourishing relationship with God? He makes it possible to have a friendship with God, right? But not only that one, with my spouse. How many of you, like, how many of you know that, that the Holy Spirit in you can cause your marriages to flourish? Because listen, folks, if you're just living out the fruit of the Spirit, your marriage will flourish, I promise you. If you're loving your wife or husband the way you're supposed to love them, and you're gentle, and you're kind, and you're patient, what happens to relationships when those characteristics start to emerge? They flourish. Who's behind it? The Holy Spirit. So in the area of relationships, the Holy Spirit has empowered you to live in relationship with with Christ and with others. Because here's what happens. When you're saved, you're you're standing before God as if you'd never sinned at all. Isn't that great? You're justified. But then the Holy Spirit empowers you to live out a life that's righteous before God. That's what he does. And what he does is, instead of back in in the Old Testament at the Mount Sinai, when God wrote on the tablets of stone... The commandments, what does he do now? He writes it on our heart. The Holy Spirit writes the commands on our heart. And the neat thing is, God summed it up into two things. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. What did he do? He summed up the whole Old Testament in two phrases. That's good for us, right? Because my, my little brain... That's, that's easier for me to comprehend, right? But who is it that empowers you to live this commandment of love? The Holy Spirit. Watch what John, 1 John says. Watch this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from who? From God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is Love. Watch this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. What is that? There's salvation, right? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You notice what he's doing? He's demonstrating for us what real love looks like, right? It's a sacrificial love. Dear friends, since God lo- so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Isn't that great? Complete love. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us, watch this, he has given us of his... Did I, can I, did I mention to you that the Holy Spirit's involved in everything? And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and now rely on the love God has for us. 
There it is again. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are, say it loud, how are you like Jesus? Not by your works, not by anything you've done, all by the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And watch this. We love because he first loved us. Notice who's setting the tone here. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. That's pretty hard, isn't it? For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Verse 21. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What's he doing? He's summing it all up into, one, into two phrases. Love God, love people. Who makes it possible for you to love God and love people? The Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5. He has shed the love of God abroad in our hearts. You see it? So if you want great relationships, if you want to walk a full life in your relationships, you need the Holy Spirit. He empowers you to live in relationship. That's what it's all about. And so I have some questions for you. How intentional are you about your own relationship with God? Are you investing in your relationship with Christ? Those are great questions to ask, right? Are you investing about in, in, your, in your church, in developing community in your church, right? Whether you've been coming to Grow Church for a long time or you just started attending, here's my challenge to you. Pursue connection and relationships. Did I mention that you need to be proactive about it? Now listen, I, I, I'll let you know something. We, we here, we're very intentional about helping you, making it so easy to connect. But we can't do it for you. Amen? I can't run to you and, and drag you to the kiosk and make you sign up for a group. I can't do that. But if you're proactive about developing community and the Holy Spirit's working on the inside, you're, I'm not going to have to even twist your arm to do it. Oh, I need to sign up for a small group. Why? Because I want connection. I want community. Amen? This is the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. Because how many of you know we need each other? Point number two, he empowers you for supernatural help. How many of you believe God wants you whole and healthy? Watch what 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says. Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy what? Good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is a getting along well. One, one translation says you prosper as your soul prospers. Does the Holy Spirit want you healthy? Why? Because if you're laying on a, on a bed sick, you can't make an impact. Amen? If you're, if you're deep in the darkest, deepest of depths of depression, God can't use you. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not, there's not this, I know there's, there's been a stigma about depression. Listen, folks, we all, it all happens. It happens to all of us, right? But that's not God's will for you. It's not God's intention for you to walk around downtrodden and depressed. What does he want for you? He wants you to prosper in good health. Why? Because he has an impact that he wants you to make. 
And so what does he say? He says, I want you healthy mind. Amen. Because how many of you know, you're, you go the direction of your, your, your thoughts. That war between your ears is real. So if the Holy Spirit can help you have a trained, disciplined mind, then he can lead you down the right path. Amen? And then your emotions. God create. listen, there's nothing wrong with emotions, folks. Amen? There's something wrong when they get out of whack, when something goes wrong with them. But I'm here to tell you, God created you as an emotional being so you can experience life and life to the full. And so what does he want? He wants you to walk healthy in your emotions. Guess who helps you do that? Holy Spirit. He wants you healthy spiritually. He wants you help, he wants you help you physically. Can I challenge you? Can you ask the Holy Spirit to help you in all those areas? And then can you surround yourself with a group of people? Accountability where they can challenge you to eat right? That's the hard one, isn't it? Because God knows there's so much temptation out there to eat what we're not supposed to eat, right? Cheeseburger Bobbies is always calling. Amen? But what does God say? I want you healthy so we make good choices in our, in our, in our food habits, in our exercise, in our sleep. All of those things contribute to not only physical health but emotional and mental health, right? You realize that, right? It's all connected. The Holy Spirit's come to empower you to live healthy in this world. Amen? Number three, here's the last one and we're done. He empowers you to live out your God-given purpose. Remember, Pentecost is all about impact, right? The work of the Holy Spirit inside of us to make an impact in our world. And so I want to ask you a question. How intentional are you about discovering your spiritual gifts? And then how intentional are you at putting them into practice to serve the body of Christ. Because remember, he gave them to you for a reason. He didn't give them to you so you could have goosebumps and enjoy, you know, whatever that is. That, that whole, oh, no, what did he give them to you for? To be a blessing to the body. To strengthen the body. So if you've not even discovered them yet, that's a first step for you. Dive into the Holy Spirit and let him show you how he's wired you, what he's gifted you to do to make an impact. Amen? Because here's, here's the truth. It's not just about wiping a baby's butt in the nursery. Right? If that's how you see it, we will never get you to work in the nursery. But if you see that each child is created in the image of God, full of purpose, and you see the opportunity that God gives you through a spiritual gift. While you're changing the diaper, to say, you know what? You're a child of God. To pray over them while you're doing it. To speak life into them while you're doing it. That's impact, folks. It doesn't seem like much. I know it's not one of those, those giftings and that, that service that gets a lot of attention, but can I, can I applaud all of you who work in the nursery? Can we give those who work in the nursery a hand? Why? Because they've discovered they can make an impact on these kids. 
It's not just about a smiling face. Those of you, I, I want to say thank you to those of you who are wearing your Welcome to Grow Church shirts that are serving faithfully week after week with a smiling face. Those of you that are new today, what did you see? You saw a smiling face. Somebody who said welcome. It's not just about welcoming them. It's about seeing every person who walks to the door as created in the image of God and God wants full life for them. That's the reason you do it. Is this making sense to anybody? God's called you to live out your God-given purpose. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do that. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that motivate us. It's the Holy Spirit breathing on us that motivates us to make a difference in this world. Amen? Here's how practical it can be, folks. This summer, I mentioned summer at Grow, right? We're going to be, I'm preaching this series of messages in June. We're going to call this the art of neighboring. And I love it because on the tail end of this, spirit, this Holy Spirit series, we understand God has positioned us to make an impact. How many of you believe that? That in this whole seven weeks that we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, God has been strategically putting us in position to make an impact. And here's what I believe. He's, told us, he's given us a next step. I've empowered you. Here's what I want to empower you to do. Over the summer, we're going to call it the art of neighboring. Say that with me. The art of neighboring. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, what does the great commandment say? Remember, he wrote it on your heart. The, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've always talked about in general sense that that's, anybody's our neighbor. But here's what we're going to We're going to laser focus in on our literal neighbors over the summer. The person on your right, or on the left, and the right, or in front, or in back. What's the idea? Holy Spirit's given us an opportunity to reach our neighborhoods with the gospel of Christ. And he has strategically placed you where you are for that reason. Amen? You're full of the Spirit's power. You've been enabled to, to make an impact. So over the summer, that's going to be our intention. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Holy Spirit, can you give me some divine appointments with my neighbors? Give me an opportunity to, to connect with them relationally. We're going to give you all these, all of these events we talked about in June are very strategic. They give you an opportunity to say, hey, neighbor, come with me to uh, this night of worship, and we're going to have some ice cream. Hey, hey, neighbor, come with me to the movie night. We're going to enjoy some popcorn in a movie. Or maybe God's saying to you, hey, you can have a cookout in your neighborhood and invite your neighbors. What's the reason? To have a good time? It's part of it. What's the real reason? Remember the power of Pentecost. What's the power of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit inside you, giving you the ability to make an impact. Here's how Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, full of, but what? Say it loud. Power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. So what's, what's he calling us to? He's not calling us just to live a life of, of mundane, just existence. No, he's called us to live a, a life of Pentecostal power. Amen. To make an impact in our culture. And it's going to start in our neighborhood.
Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.